life can be difficult on a farm. Doesn't get any easier as it trudges along, I'll say that. What? Doesn't get any easier. What doesn't? Life! Oh, no, it doesn't. It's basically a fast train to hell. For God's sake, Mom! All right, all right, yes, I'm overstating it. I agree. It's a fast train to heck! So, yeah, we tried not to move too far from, like, you know, stuff we did in the past, you know, with the color out of space, you know, it was H.P. Lovecraft, so it was, ha like, Harry Potter, but this time we, we tried to stick with Harry Potter because Harry Potter's never leaving us because freaking uh, Remus Lupin was, was in this film. So, can't get away from Harry Potter no matter how hard we try. Never. There's always six degrees of separation from Harry Potter. And just as a... Warning before we get started this week, we are, if you're not familiar with I'm Thinking of Ending Things, we are dealing with suicidal themes and mental health, so if it's in any way triggering for yeah. you or makes you uncomfortable, feel free to skip this week. Feel free to never listen to us again. You know, it's, uh, you do you. Yeah, and also, um, I'm gonna, like, just make a suggestion to, just cause, like, I really love this story that if you haven't s at least seen the film or read the book, I would do so before listening to this because I think it's a, the story itself is a good treat, even though it's a depressing story. It's, I don't know. It's very impactful, and I, I don't know. I would rather people read it or watch the movie. Yeah, there's a pretty big twist, and we don't want to be the cunts that ruin it for you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, I'm thinking of ending things. It's... Uh, it's a, it's, a, it's what, basically, the only premise I knew going into it was that it was about a girl thinking of ending her relationship with her boyfriend, but she was going on a trip to go see his parents, and that is, I guess, what the, sto what, what the story is, but not really. Um, it's really impressive what the author came up with and sort of making a connection between different things. True, and there's a very atypical like style which I really appreciate. So the novel is about slightly over 200 pages. You've got the young couple on the snowy drive to meet the boyfriend's parents. His name's Jake and things start feeling off from the get-go. There's always these calls that the girl doesn't know who they're from. She gets to the farm where they live and things are weird there too. There's dead frozen sheep. There's a story about a dead pig with maggots in the belly. And yeah, that whole dinner is very awkward as well. And like, you know something's off, but you don't know what yet. And it's a really interesting way that it builds up. And oh, I really love how at the start of the chapters you have the conversations about where you know something happened and people are talking about a certain person and there's a messy scene and they're hinting towards something, but you don't know what yet. And that's that was a really cool way of doing it, I thought. This both the book and the movie had amazing build-up. I can understand people going and watching the film and thinking it's boring just because of how slow it is, but it's so important and really... Like the car ride, I think, in the, at the beginning. So it starts off with a car ride. I think that goes on for like 20 minutes before they get to the house. So it's, just a, it's straight up just a car ride shot, shot, reverse shot, like, there's only so many shots you can really do in the car. So I can understand why people would get bored with it. And it just keeps building up to the farmhouse. And then the farmhouse 
fuck. The farmhouse is just so fucking crazy. It's great. Just how off everything is. I like how the both the book and the film did it. Um, I will say I like the f- how the film did it better because it the farmhouse was longer, and I think the farmhouse was creepier in the movie. Um, what are your thoughts on Ooh, that, Andrea? I agree and disagree. So okay, first thing that struck me, Charlie Kaufman's a brilliant editor, and I like the way his movies flow. Like especially because these two characters aren't really two people. They're not actually even talking to each other. They're kind of talking at each other. And then there's these weird, um, very jolting cuts and questions don't get answered. There's no resolution to these conversations. And that's really cool because that makes perfect sense for what it actually is, which is, you know, an imaginary Mm -hmm. interaction from a character we haven't actually met yet. So that was really nice. I liked the subtle changes at the farm first. Like if you notice... Uh, for one, the girlfriend's outfits keep changing, and I'm calling her the girlfriend yes, on purpose because she doesn't it. have a set name, right? Her name yeah, keeps change changing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she's not a real person. So right. her name's changing. The mom at first like has kind of wavy blonde hair, and then it goes to like the straight gray hair. And I actually really preferred the subtle changes. Like I understand why this farmhouse was really cool, but for me, the book the ending twist struck me far harder because I went through to the end of this book thinking Jake's gonna snap and kill her is that what we're leading towards and only until like the end where the little like pre-chapter conversation starts saying he's worked here for 30 plus years and I'm like something's not adding up it's not what I'm expecting but because the movie changes started being so dramatic in the beginning it felt more like the stream of consciousness that it is, and it wasn't as surprising at the end. See, here's the thing. I disagree, and the only, well, here's here's the difference between uh, you and I, is you started off with the book, and I started off with the movie. So I had those same feelings watching the movie the first time I watched it. And actually, having watched the film, I expected some crazier shit to happen, like how it happened in the movie. And then the movie has so many more extra weird little connections and and sort of, in my opinion, expanded upon certain ideas in terms of characterization uh, from the book. So, so I think I think really the movie in, like enhances it to a degree. And so you were saying how uh, you were thinking um, Jake is going to kill her and whatnot. And, um, see, I was thinking the entire time in the movie that the old man was going to kill them. Like, there was something off with that old man. So, which is why it keeps cutting to that. So, we have this guy. And then, like, slowly over time through the movie, I, s- I was realizing, oh, Jake and the old man are the, s- are the same. And it's, I don't know, it's I, it, it, having, s- having the janitor stuff happening throughout the story... I mean, it sort of happens in the book where it's just like what the police officer is talking to one another, or it's like about the guy who found it, and then he's talking to a police officer, I believe, who found the dead body. Yeah, um, or it's, I saw it as like people that work there at the school talking to each other about it too. Right. Yeah. So I, it, I think it was a couple of different things, but 
different people. And so you had that, but you ha it had that for the book, which I thought was fantastic. I was like, I was actually trying to figure out after watching the movie how they're going to do that whole, if they were going to do the whole intersplicing, whether that was something that Charlie Kaufman came up with or if that was actually part of the story. It turned out to be part of the story, but Charlie Kaufman does a little bit more with it because he has a visual medium and we can sort of see the life of the janitor instead of just hearing it from the perspective of other people. And I really like that because the whole story is really, the whole story is about Jake and yeah. his lack of fulfillment in life. And we get to see that more of what he was like as an older man through the movie than you ever could in the book. And so to me, the movie enhanced the character of Jake, which is what the whole story, everything, everything in this story is Jake. It's, it's his, it's his past history, his experiences with his parents, his his fears, his regrets. Everything in the story is literally Jake. You're not. You're the the other characters don't really matter, and so having the the visual media just sort of showcasing the monotony of Jake's life that he's he got old, the the girls are la the young uh, high school girls are laughing at him which um, was a great connection when those w those young girls that were laughing at him were also the young girls that were at the dairy shop that they stopped at yeah so you have you have the, the girls that were laughing at him but really they're laughing at like the young girl the young girls now are laughing at him but when he was younger they were really interested in Jake but he couldn't see that they were that they were uh, that they were interested in him because he had so much anxiety and so much and so much fear. So he it, it was able to showcase show that in in the movie more so than I think the book does. I think I think the movie has a better handle at uh, showing anxiety, and the book has a better job at showing depression. See, and that's I respect that a lot because the girlfriend's going through the house and she goes into the basement they changed mm -hmm. what she finds in the movie it's these landscape drawings and they do a good job of you know as this happens in the book too you know they she sees a picture of a young child on the wall and right. jake says that's me and she goes wait i thought that was me and like you're starting to get hints of both of these characters are a figment of the same character's imagination um or at least, you know, he Jake is himself, but this is a version of him he never experienced as being the guy who brought a girl home to his family, which is very sad in and of itself. But when the girlfriend goes downstairs in the movie, she's talking about how she likes to do these landscape paintings. And then she gets mm -hmm. down to the basement and realizes she sees the same painting she had on her phone when she was showing his parents, but they're actually Jake's paintings. And well, actually, I really like, hey, you had your long monologue. OK, sir, I get mine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, go ahead. No, go ahead though. Tell me. No, I was gonna say that the paintings weren't the paintings weren't actually um, hers. They or uh, they weren't actually Jake. Jake. Jake made. Um, if if you if you remember, I think there were there were prints on the walls or or, or whatnot. Right. And the prints right. were of an actual of an actual real painter. I forget what the painter's name is. Um, I I, uh, I I I did a rewatch. I did a second rewatch. And I sort of skimmed through things, so I think I missed that. Um, but uh, it was actually a different painter, but Jake wanted to mimic that. He wanted to be like that. And 
Yeah, and, and the okay, whole... Okay, wait, I'm uh, getting back to Mike. Wait, getting back. No, yeah, sorry, no, I can, I'm cutting you off. <laughs> God damn it, Michael. <laughs> it's fine. Go ahead. No, no, no go ahead. I, I, there's so much shit that I can talk about in this film. It's, go ahead. Well, sorry. we've got time, Michael. We are going to have a three-hour-long podcast about this. I mean, it probably will be. <laughs> okay, wait. So, but in the book, what she finds down there, she does see some landscape things. She sees some portraits. And this, this though, goes towards what I really love about this book is it's got very subtle pointers that I think really merits a reread. I want to go back and pick up on all these hints now that I know what they're driving at. But mm -hmm. what she finds is, um, I'm going to just take this straight out of the book, but there's a small dirty bookcase beside the painting. It's full of old papers, pages and pages, drawings. I pick one up. The paper is thick and another. They're all of this room. They're all of the basement. And in each drawing, there's a different person in place of the furnace. Some have short hair, some with long. One has horns, some have breasts, some penises, some both. All have the long nails and a similar knowing, paralyzed expression. In each picture, there's the child too, usually in the corner, sometimes in other places, on the ground, looking up at the larger figure. In one, the child is in the stomach of the woman. In another, the woman has two heads, and one of the heads is the child's. And that was, I think, sp spookier than a lot of what the movie has especially because you're realizing like this is probably young jake trying to represent his depression mm -hmm. through art and it's like this really creepy figure and the child's just kind of helpless looking at it in the room right um but yeah that was yeah. really beautifully written i thought no i completely agree like ian reed he's like i need to read more of his stuff because um this is fantastic. I know this was his first novel that he put out. Apparently, he did two works of nonfiction before this book. So this was his first novel, and I think he's come out with two since. But this book is uh, the way he writes is very is is fantastic, and his dialogue is really impressive. Um, like that's that's why it's like so it's so hard. To like I mean, not not that that it's like like. It's more of me me grasping my thoughts on the story because both do th things that are different but are also that are so great in their own ways, and this story that's where that's where like and honestly I didn't even realize like it didn't really hit me until I was like saying it I think in my my last little slight monologue was where the movie is more anxiety and the book is more depression, um, it. It, like they, they, it's, a, it's the same story, but they're having a different conversation. And it's impressive of what Ian Reid did and what Charlie Kaufman did. And, and Charlie Kaufman sort of taking a story and sort of having a different conversation with that story instead of just copying it. Uh, God, uh, yeah, I fucking love Charlie Kaufman. <laughs> um, and I now love Ian Reid. Um, but getting into like sort of the discussions that they have in the book. Um, so I'm think I'm trying to... I'm, this sort of like was something that I caught where so their meeting story in the book it's also I think they meet at trip they also meet at trivia though I think in the movie they change up the meeting story like twice or something yeah they but do in the in the book it's straight up they meet at the trivia um, and then he's he, he's, he's using big words blah 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 and sort of being <laughs> a being a fucking pretentious uh, motherfucker but um but he uses that uh she 
Because I think she asked him what he does, and he said he's a circoverbalist. See, I had no clue what fucking word was. Yeah, I've never heard this word before. But it's someone who's fa- who's fascinated with uh, puzzles. And then Adept later at on, putting together crossword puzzles. Right, putting together crossword puzzles, and it was. I thought it was a nice little connection that Ian Reed made a little bit further down, and w- before they get to the the farmhouse, they're having another dis. Or I think it's just in her. He- it's just in her head, and she's um, talking about how uh, relationships are like puzzles. And so you have this yeah. guy who's who's very. He's very uh, much into crossword puzzles, and I'm assuming puzzles in general. If uh, usually people who like word puzzles also like other type of puzzles, but sort of finding this this connection to the different pieces of a relationship, and then also his character in general likes puzzles. Yeah, and that was yeah they changed it slightly in the movie too. I know in the book, so they meet, and she can tell they like each other. She wants to. Like, give him her number, but then she doesn't. And she says, well, maybe I'll see him around, and that'll be nice. And then she gets home, and there's a note from him with his phone number. And that was cute. And then in the movie, he kind of just blurts out, do you want my number? And, you know, it worked for the sake of the story. I I like the book version a lot, too. It's, like, a very awkward, meet-cute type thing, for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and also, okay, we did trivia a lot in college. Do you remember? (laughs) We would always go to... uh, trivia at mellow mushroom and it was funny that they put this in i just wanted to note it because there is always someone with the trivia team name my couch pulls out and so do i and there's always someone who laughs like they've heard <laughs> it for the first fucking time <laughs> but and that's yeah, that so a cute true <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah no there's a lot of there's a lot of like the discussions that they have in the book and the movie are 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 pretty different um they're talking about a lot of other things they're talking about jungian uh philosophy um in the in the book in the movie they're talking more poetry and 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 art stuff which makes sense because charlie coffin being charlie coffin and his love for film and making film it makes sense why his characters were focused more and into talking about authors or I think they talk there's there's that film that they show in between that sort of is like a nice metaphor um for certain shit but um yeah anyways th- 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 there's there were some nice differences and that's the reason why I think you mo- people should watch and read read both read this so oh the maggot um pigs are a great metaphor for depression yeah that you was know that fucking like brilliant that was because it's one of those things where well, the whole farm scene was really sad in a lot of ways of just how life on a farm must be for the animals and the characters relating it a lot to how trapped he feels with his janitorial job. Mm-hmm. And right. yeah, I thought that was really brilliant of, you know, when someone has issues with mental health, sometimes to other people, they might not pick up on it. And then suddenly they went and turned the pig over and realized, oh no, this pig is dying and there's a big problem, and we just didn't notice it because it was out of sight. Mm-hmm. But that was really brilliant. Ian Reed, you're brilliant, and also like, that's one that's one thing I did like also with the book. Um, and this is what, this is this is this is why they were talking about Jung, I think Jungian uh, philosophy when the because I uh, it was either when they were talking about that or they were talking about something else in the book, and 
they 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 mentioned that symbols are important to conveying a message and that you can't really talk about any complex idea without uh, metaphors and symbols. And so he, the fact that he used that as well within the story uh, was brilliant and potentially him tooting his own horn. But at the same time, I thought it was, I, I, I don't, it doesn't really matter. It was smart. So um, good on him for, for doing that. So there's a lot of nice symbolism to things throughout the book in both and in the movie but I mean it's originally Ian Reed's story so and there's a really cute story in the book so like the character that's the girlfriend is going through a lot of I want to break up with him but then she's got moments where she's like but nothing's inherently wrong and I think that really mm -hmm. speaks to the janitor Jake feeling like he knows that even if he met a woman or that's what he thinks is that she would break up with him anyway and it wouldn't last and it's really sad because he he can't even think of a specific reason why someone couldn't stay with him but he just knows they wouldn't and but there's a really cute story when she's kind of wavering back and forth of I she had a headache and she asked if he could pick her up some Tylenol and when he shows up, she doesn't want to mention it in case he forgot. She doesn't want him to feel bad. But then he pulls out a, like, tissue bundle. And he had wrapped up, it was three pills. He brought her an extra one just in case. And he, like, wrapped them up in the tissue paper and taped it shut so it would stay clean. And she just thought that was really touching. And I was like, that, that was a really cute story. Yeah, that was great. All right, do you want to know my big gripe with this movie so we can argue some more? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm down for some arguing time. <laughs> the okay, arguing loved corner. It. I loved it, but the ending is vague as hell in the movie. Oh, and oh, that's why I like it pig, better. That is why I like it better. you've got the pig being like, follow me, and you can tell something's wrong, and you've got this sad, naked old man following the pig into the school, and and then that's it. It's like he's giving this no, that, speech that wasn't of like... It. You, you, you're, you're missing you're you're missing the complete ending where it's just a shot of him in the car so the difference like the, the car at the end that's flooded with snow he died in the car and he just he, he froze to death he froze himself like like the like the lambs of the farmhouse no like i get that but the movie leaves the question of did this just accidentally happen did he have a mental break and then just accidentally like fall asleep in his car and freeze or like i know I it's very graphic in the novel i that's one thing i don't like about the novel i thought the way he killed himself was not realistic well i'm gonna disagree because i think people have certain views on death being i'm gonna blame artists for this too of like there's a certain beauty attached to death in some media but it's you know it's a pretty shitty messy business and the novel was honest about that. Whereas in the movie, it's like, well, oh, he I just kind of he freezes no, in I his car, and it's like. No, I think the movie is too because the, in the. This is where it's there's there's the differences in what the type of story that they're telling, and. I connect for me personally, and like my own struggles with mental health, I connect more with the film probably because of the whole anxiety part of it and things like that. In the movie, they're in the car, they're talking about how basically they get into the discussion of basically is 
are, are we programmed to do things like that things like that are, are animals programmed to do things and are we as well and then they, they go into how certain um, bugs choose to die in order to save the colony and maybe and this is where like I see Jake as he's he's the type of guy who is overly artsy then he never did anything with it and then he wanted to make his life art in a way so he felt like he was killing himself in order to you know make the world around him a better place it's kind of a fucked up thing and a fucked up way of thinking about things but um that's sort of where the discussion is different between the book and the movie and the book it's he stabs himself like a bunch of times and i just don't think that's realistic usually people who are depressed and deal with suicide they want it done quickly they don't want to drag it out or they try to go or they try to end it in a way that's you know peaceful and so that's what the old man in the movie did he wa- he tried to go peacefully to finally find that peace and that's where and that's that's also where also in the book uh, there's a little bit of a difference where they have the discussion where if and, and d- does life not end the pain do, is, is does the pain keep going on i think he reused the metaphor with the pigs where he's talking about um will the maggots still be eating you in the afterlife and so it's a bit of a different discussion on how suicide can be presented uh, and, and thought about so i i like both i just I guess I connect more with the movie version. That's, but I do like it's. I can understand why you like the book better. In in that term. Yeah, and I'd argue. Uh, again, we're not debating merits of different forms of suicide. I don't want anyone to get that idea. But I think. Oh yeah. I've seen some very messy examples of suicide where I don't think everyone wants it done peacefully. I think it's. I mean, it's obviously a very scary thing, and a lot of people have anxiety about it and it manifests different ways but uh yeah there's been some violent suicides out there but i think that's a super rare like what is it uh i think it was david foster wallace he talked on this and his uh i think it was his short story called the, De- the depressed person and i know i d- unfortunately didn't rewatch it but i remember in the movie they bring up david foster wallace and i can't remember if they were talking about this short story or not but this sort of just came to me where I mean, David Foster Wallace, uh, author who ended up killing himself uh, when he was 46. But he mentions in The Depressed Person, like the whole, the whole thing is from the perspective of this woman who's extremely depressed and she's talking to a therapist and things like that. And then it gets into the topic of suicide and um, she, she mentions how most people who are depressed, um, the reason why they you know, shoot, shoot their brain isn't so much to, like, I should not be getting into this, fuck. But anyways, I'm going to say this, I'm probably going to cut this all out. Um, the reason why she, sh- why people shoot themselves is because they're trying to um, finally end the thing that is causing them pain. Like, if you have, if you, it basically, if your arm is hurting, your arm's hurting, and you have a diseased arm, you cut off the thing that's causing the pain. But for people who are depressed, they shoot themselves in the head or hang themselves because they're trying to basically separate the thing that is causing them pain from the rest of their body. Yeah, that makes sense. 
I do not know if I want to leave that in or not, because that's some dark shit, but, um... I mean, it's fine. Uh, oh, hey, Violet. Hey! <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know. I know what you mean. And, obviously, again, this is heavy shit, but, you know, that's that's the topic of what we're here to talk about. We're, we're heavy people. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so, can we go back to uh, the dinner scene? Yeah. And talk about what uh what so i do like i like both of them um the book and the movie the the book I, I, they, they, they both play to their medium i i feel like where the book um it gets into some creepy stuff when the whole game that they play the family plays a game where basically they mimic one another um I thought that played well for the medium, and I can understand why they didn't do it in the movie because I think it would look weird without doing like a. Unless he, um, like, I mean, he could have pulled it off. Fucking Jesse Plemons is a fantastic actor. He could have pulled it off, but I think it would have looked weird. And it's, I think that's one of those things that look better and in your, uh, and play better and creepier in your head than seeing it visually. But I like in the movie they never eat. They never once eat. They have this huge feast. They never once take a bite. Sorry, you're no, you're wrong. Because she feeds him a piece of chocolate cake, and he does eat. Yeah, that. that th- I'm talking about during the dinner. Yeah. During the dinner, they never eat, and it plays to the whole anxiety and the creep, and it really builds up the creepiness. Because there's a, and there's a couple of different things that he does that where things are just slightly off, like with some of his editing choices. Where I think there was a couple of times. He chose to do a uh, a reverse 360 shot, which is pretty much you're not s- like a no-no in terms of film. So it's so it creates a jarring jump. Um, there's things like that that played to that, and then his Charlie Kaufman's choice of doing a four by three perspective, I think, was a genius because it created the it created more tight shots and. It, you always have these bars on the side, so ev- you're you're automatically confined, which both plays into the the girl uh, Lucy thinking of ending things, but she feels like she's boxed in in a relationship. But also, it's sort of that's also deals with like the whole depression that you feel boxed in and you can't break out of what is what is forced upon you. Yeah, I mean. I guess that's part of where they hit different for me. So during this whole scene at the farm, the book felt very thriller starting there, also because of these calls. And also she mentions that story in the book that they don't put in the movie of when she woke up and there's just a man standing outside her window. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Which was so yeah. spooky. And for a second, you're like, is the, does she has she had this lifelong stalker? Because again, you don't know in the book that this is all made up yet, unless someone picked on it up on it way earlier than me. In which kudos, because I was taking this very literally till about the end, and I was like, "The fuck's happening? My brain's melting," uh, in a good way. I like it when books can do that to me. Um, and the movie felt less again because you can tell things were already stream of consciousness. This isn't a linear narrative in the film. It didn't seem as weird that she's like wandering into this basement. You know, like, in at a real dinner, you know, meeting people sort of thing, like, it would be weird to just go wander off on your own, and then no one would be looking for you, and then you're hearing people arguing, and, like, it just had this very spooky um, vibe, especially when she goes back upstairs and she notices that 
the lock is meant to lock from downstairs like you're trying to keep someone out upstairs it's so like a lot of this was starting to feel like has jake always been off and are his parents scared of him um which i mean is true to a certain extent people are scared of each other's mental disorders and they don't know how to handle it but they manifested this more as like a thriller-esque your mind is out to get you sort of feel in the book um and then especially when they get to the school and like she's feeling hunted you know like and she's hiding behind like that couch for like an hour she says and then there's that whole creepy scene of like she makes it to the gym and she just sees like a trail of Jake's clothes leading to the shower and yeah in my mind I'm just like this is some very serial killer vibes we're getting throughout this whole thing <laughs> but it fit to me that whole mood I'm not saying the movie did wrong by leaving that out I will say the book was freakier for me overall but like it fit in terms of there's a certain life Jake could have had and he is kind of written off a lot of potential he has in his mind like and not through any fault of his own but like it's almost like he is hunting down the last possibilities of what he could do with his life like he has written all of them off as nothing is going to work out and my life is stuck being miserable forever and that kind of like first it wouldn't make sense at first to do that in a thriller but I think they really the book really pulls that off because it is a very scary thing yeah I I completely agree with you that the book is more the book is definitely more horror and thriller-esque at least in a somewhat typical sense like it's definitely I don't want to say like I'm not using that like as a as a bad thing because it's definitely ha its own thing and it's 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 different and um I just think the uh like the movie doesn't have that that straight form almost because it's sort of it's it's like a movie that's broken up into p it's like the story is broken up into pieces there's more car ride talk in the movie, I feel like, because you have more discussion after the farmhouse, whereas in the book, they kind of get there really quick. And then there's a lot of, I mean, there's, it's not a lot. It's probably about a fifth of the book is at the schoolhouse. And um, I don't think the movie should be categorized as a horror film. I don't. I think it's actually a bad genre placement. I don't think it's a horror I film. I agree. And no. it's somewhat of a thriller. It's like a psychological thriller. It's not like your typical thriller. That's, that's where, like, I feel the movie is a psychological horror where, I mean, and the book is two to a degree, but it also has this persistent, almost, feels more like there's a persistent someone chasing her. Yeah. Throughout it. It's sort of, it's, that's, that's what's pushing the narrative along, is, is sort of that. And the movie doesn't use that as much i mean she gets a couple of phone calls but i don't think nearly as much as the book that's where they differ i guess is basically what i'm trying to say um they're not it's, it's the same it's the same story but it's different yeah well, i wouldn't even say the movie is that much of a psychological thriller like obviously because of the theme it kind of is but um it felt more just like um a disjointed drama like it it didn't oh, that's a fair point. Yeah. Scare me. The book really did scare me. So I was like, who the fuck is after you? Who's walking around in these rubber boots in the school looking for you? I was just... And then it was interesting because when they brought it all together, she does realize, like, 
it's not the janitor, like, there's no one following me, it's just Jake, but I also am Jake. And it kind of brought it together in a really interesting way. And that's where, I hate saying this, because maybe it's just my choice of how I like endings to stories. I like the ambiguous. Um, I like being able to have my own perspective of things and then sort of compare it with other people. And so that's the reason why I like how the movie does the ending versus the book. It pretty much matter-of-factly is pretty much the author saying, hey, this is what this book's about. Basically is what the last 10 pages are. Um, is him being like, hey, this is what this book is. And he ends it with telling you kind of how you should read it, which is kind of weird. I don't know. It was a weird choice. Wait, what do you mean tells you how you should read it? Uh, literally, like, the, la the last thing is, um, it's when the, pl the two people are talking at the end, because the, the, uh, Jake, the old Jake left behind a book, and it's, it's literally talking about the book. Like, he, he some kind of, di okay, let, me, let me just go through it. There's one other thing I wanted to ask about, the note. What? Said the other guy. The note. Near his body, I was told there was a note. You heard about that? Yes. It wasn't so much a note as well, it was detailed. Detailed? Some kind of diary, maybe, or story. Story. I mean, he wrote about characters, or maybe they were people he knew, but then he's in the story, too, except he's not the one telling it. Well, maybe he is, in a way. I don't know. I'm not sure I follow it. I can't tell what's true and what's not, and yet, does it explain why? Does it explain why he ended things? I'm not sure. We're really not sure. Maybe. What do you mean? He, he either explained it or he didn't. It's just what? It's not that simple. I don't know. Here, look at this. What is all this? This is a lot of pages. Is this what he wrote? Yes, you should read it. But maybe start at the end, then circle back. First, though, I think you better sit down. So it's it's sort of like it's it's a commentary on his own writing, and yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, I agree. I think if this just was a figment of his imagination, it would, like, they probably should have just ended it with the bit before that. Mm-hmm. Um. The, the, the where, where it's like, uh, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? What are you waiting Oh, and I mean the book. Like, if they didn't have that last... In yeah, that part was really brilliant. I... I thought, yeah, that thought was smart, because it played to how... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I kind of cut you off. No, you're good. But I was, I was meaning the book. Like, if they ended the book before that last conversation, um, yeah. that might have been more effective, where these characters are just like, he's been going through all of this in his head and it's not necessarily something he's written down and actually fleshed out but he's just having this crazy narrative in his head um mm -hmm. before he you know commits suicide yeah and so it's, it's just like one thing that i have issue with with the book is sort of the way it ends i like the ambiguity like it's just it sort of forces you to go back and look at things and find more connections to stuff. I like stories that that force that upon the reader to, to try to find more things. I mean, I d the, the book does, but I think the having a completely ambiguous ending really helps. And I think that's one thing that visual media can do better than a book, than written word. I don't think ambiguity is good when it comes to reading. And the reason for that, I think, is because books are work 
to get through the story. You have to actually work. You have to read it with your eyes and actually do things. Whereas if you're watching a movie, you're able to sit back and sort of contemplate things as it's happening. You can sort of do that with a book, but you're also working to get through the story. And I don't think people are happy with ambiguous endings when it comes to a book, whereas it's easier upon a visual medium. Yeah. Oh, I have to say, so a brilliant thing they did in this movie, first off, okay, the characters, I think they're supposed to be college students. So I know in movies um, this always like grad happens. Students, yeah. But these actors do not seem college student age, which is fine. It's fine. Um, but but they acted it really well. And there was actually a moment right at the beginning when she's waiting to be picked up and gets in the car. And when she kisses Jake, like she's really excited to see him. But right after she kisses him, there's like this flash of, oh, well, it's a shame I'm going to have to break up with you, though. Like there's this hesitation in her face right after, which... It was like half a second that it was there and it was so well acted but mm -hmm. it was really curious so like they go get these snow these burrs right <laughs> they get their burrs and the there's mm -hmm. the girls there and they have this whole conversation about attractive people and then it was really interesting and clever that there's that dance sequence which i actually thought was one of the really strong points of the movie was that whole dance sec uh, sequence and the two dancers are just two more attractive versions of the actors, which is really interesting. Right. <laughs> exactly. Like, and so that's where I think Charlie Kaufman was trying to play into some other things. Um, and maybe sort of playing off of the, the, that, that sequence um, about depression in the book, that sequence where uh, they're having that talk, talk about depression. Are people more depressed now than they were before? And I think that was Charlie Kaufman's way of talking about that same thing sort of like where we all have these different expectations of what life should be and that there's more things like that there's not more depressed people in the world it's just there's more things to be sad about in the world now than there were before and he if charlie kaufman instead of being able like using a conversation to do it he told it through this movie that the janitor is watching so he's watching this love this love movie that has one of the best fucking sequences and I kind of really wish it was a real movie because just that diner scene is one of the greatest things I've witnessed. Um, yep. <laughs> but uh, but um, it's sort of because the, the janitor's seeing it and he's seeing it's sort of we've become so in a way addicted to to fake lives of what we think life should be like that we and and, and before like in a lot of ways, it's movies, but now we also have it with social media. This movie doesn't really get into social media, I'm assuming, because Charlie Kaufman probably never uses social media because he's fucking, like, 70 years old. But <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's sort of his way of talking about how stories and sometimes, and sometimes I, th I think it's writers' faults and maybe it's just humans' faults in general. It's the stories that we want to see because it's not life. But then we see these stories and then we want our lives to be like that and then it makes us depressed. And so that's like how the janitor is. He he probably has seen, he he probably likes these types of movies. That there's a there's this, the ideal woman, as young Jake said with uh, Woodworth's poem. Um, the the older Jake is watching these uh, soapy um, lo love this love soapy love movie, um, romance movie, whatever whatever. Uh, and uh, 
so it's sort of he's depressed because he he'll, he'll never have that he'll never have that that life that that uh, that fake romance fake uh, ideal relationship that Hollywood thrusts upon the population with shitty storytelling though I mean the shitty storytelling in terms of defining what life is good storytelling in order to convey emotion so like, it's not really like it's shitty it's just there's there's few movies out there that it's really idealized. convey what life is. But you know, you're right, and they had a, an interesting moment of addressing that, how much we borrow from the stories we see, because obviously this is a fake relationship he's thinking about that he might have had, and he's borrowing, like, you know, you mentioned that the meeting story changed. The last time the girlfriend interacts with the father before they leave, he's talking to her like on the stairs and he's asking about when they met and she says oh yeah it was in the diner and he asked me about the santa fe burger so like even within this story he's borrowing and changing the meeting story based off a movie he's watched right because he only lives in his head and not in the real world so he never moved on with his own life because he's too much in his own head and never actually takes action so he he He's living these these fake stories. And you know what's interesting is I see this as a f sort of different take on, like, so there's different ways people process emotions, and obviously people's lives, part of going through life is learning that things won't be as you expected. And right. some people respond to that angrily and some get sad. and. Like, I see this as a very similar message to Fight Club, but this movie's about the sad version and Fight Club's the angry version. And it's like that specific quote in Fight Club where they say, we've all been raised on television to believe one day we'd be millionaires, movie gods, and rock stars, but we won't. And we're slowly learning that fact. And we're very, very pissed off. So it's like that same yeah. sort of disillusionment, but manifested in different emotions. No, that's a that's a great point. I, I didn't even think of that, but yeah. And likely with this book, people won't, take it the wrong way unlike with fight club everyone started making fight clubs after that movie came out which was not the purpose of the <laughs> of the <laughs> of the story but well and i'm curious to get into that too because there's a lot of flack about media covering suicide and obviously some media covers it differently than others but i know there was a lot of issues after 13 reasons why came out of you know children feeling I mean, specifically because it was a young adult show, is the idea that it kind of romanticized suicide in a way. Oh, yeah, and fuck that shit. I'm not going to say it did. It is not a very good story. <laughs> like, I don't want right. to be a dick, but um, I mean, I personally think media is here and art is here to help us work through emotions. And I don't think certain subjects should be taboo. I think we have to do it respectfully and know we shouldn't romanticize suicide. I don't think it's bad to discuss these things through books and movies and music. Mm -hmm. um, but I would definitely say, um, sorry, just to finish that, but I would definitely say, though, this book does handle it in a way more, this isn't a good thing, this isn't a romantic thing. It does convey that way better than something like 13 Reasons Why. Oh, yeah, because it's not a... I mean, I know 13 Reasons Why is based off of a book, right? Yes, so I never I read it, though. I think the issue is turning depression into a TV series. I, b I wonder if the book does it better, but I feel really weird that it's like, we're going to prolong talking about this, this subject, and I don't 
think that's healthy. <laughs> um, well, I think wait, stories wait, 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 that though, are art. There's ways that you can do it as a show because BoJack Horseman did. But that well, show did about it a lot of different things. Beautifully, yeah. That's a show that's just that, that it made a comment on a lot of different things, not just depression and stuff like that and self-worth and things like that. It's just, I don't know, a teenage drama about depression just sounds wrong and exploitive in a way. I don't know. I mean, I guess teenagers deal with depression, but turning that into a TV show just sounds, I don't know, exploitive. Especially when that's like your main plot device is right this girl yeah, committed suicide and she's uh, getting back at people in her life by making them feel guilty about it like that you've given it kind of a romanticized revenge element to it and that's the problem 100 percent on that and that's why writers need to be better at conveying a message and ian reed did a fantastic job at at this and it's definitely a book i'll be going back to at different times what's awesome was i was at the bar the other night and I was reading this book. Um, there's a bartender that I, I talked to because just moving to a town, I've been finding bar bartenders that I can have conversations with. And she was asking me what, she, what I was reading. And I told her, and she's like, oh, shit, I'm reading this, that as well. I'm like, fuck yeah. And so I just got into a discussion with her <laughs> a little bit. Uh, as It was a busy night, so she couldn't talk much. But it was nice to hear that someone else <laughs> was reading it as well besides us. Hey, Michael's bartender. I hope you're listening to us right now. <laughs> I mentioned I mentioned that we do a podcast, but I didn't. I don't think I told her what the, what the name of it was, and also it was really fucking busy. So I understood why she couldn't like stand around and chat. Plus, it's so awkward to plug your own stuff. It really is. Oh yeah, that's the reason why I wait for people to ask me for for better or for worse. It's just I don't, don't want to be I don't want to be that kind of guy that just like throws stuff in people's face. Here's my business card. You should listen. <laughs> I was thinking about like plugging, plugging the other thing that I've been doing, like right then, <laughs> to the audience, because <laughs> I thought that would be hilarious. But I'm not gonna do that. Um, I'm trying to think of some other stuff. I mean, I wrote down a good bit, and we've talked about it a good bit. Um, kind of very uh, robust discussion, indeed. It's just it's it's such an interesting topic, and there's probably there's like things I'm I know that I'm missing. Um, that I've thought about, and it's just sort of, there's there's just so much to this story. It's a well-done story. Oh, and, and like I love this story so much, but it also kind of pisses me off because, in a way, I've been working on a story similar to this, and it kind of pisses I me off that. to a little bit. It made me think degree. of your story. <laughs> yeah, um, especially Charlie Kaufman's, uh, especially the, the way the house is done. I was actually freaking out the first time I watched it. I'm like, is this turning into what I've been working on? And it's it to a slight degree, yes, but not really. It's my thing's its own thing. I hope so, at least. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> but it's cool to know that it can work. That's one thing that actually I liked watching this was it made me realize my story can work. I just have to get it done. And I will say, okay, something I really identified with here, and like one of the kind of mental struggles I've had is. I think there's a lot of people out there that are in this boat of, you know, there's a lot of very smart, capable people in this world that are doing jobs that they are too clever for and that frustrate mm -hmm. the hell out of them. And yep. it, I think it's just a problem, like, especially people our age, we, our trajectories haven't been very clean because job markets are changing exponentially. 
a lot of us can't afford homes. A lot of us are with our parents and there's no fault in that. It's the way the economy's going. And also, oh, there's a fucking pandemic right now. So, um, I don't know if we're done talking yet. We might move this towards the end, but I just want to say, like, talk to each other, whatever Mm -hmm. helps you feel better. Um, that's I'll why. Have. That's why uh, I convinced Andre to do a podcast with me, so <laughs> I have someone to talk to. Uh, yeah, and if you know, if you need help, utilize the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. It's free. It's confidential. I'll post their phone number. Like you know, just have someone to talk to. There's no shame in any. You know, it's a tough time for everyone, and yeah. Yeah, it's uh, your li- your lives matter. So don't don't exactly. ever do don't do anything stupid. Well, maybe don't do anything rash. That too. <laughs> um, but yeah, seriously, excellent book, excellent movie. I know I ragged on it a little bit, but that's just because I'm, I'm, see, I'm a picky girl. I like, I like my, I don't know. So my main issue is like, I love Charlie Kaufman. I think this wasn't as good as Eternal Sunshine. And that's not to say you have to like judge everything by a person's like your favorite work by someone. But that one right. to me just hit different and... And it's my favorite movie. So obviously I love Charlie Kaufman, but... So I also have a favorite movie that is also a Charlie Kaufman film, but it's <laughs> unfortunately not the same one you chose. Um, it's uh, Synecdoche, New York. And I haven't seen that one. Um, but I've heard great things. Watch it. So that's one thing that was interesting um, watching this film because... Uh, oh my God, let me go back to uh, Google real quick because I forget people's names. Uh, that's one thing about Philip Jesse Plemons. Y- well, yeah, Philip Seymour Hoffman um, was in Synecdoche, New what York. What a fucking legend that man is. Sorry. Yeah, but also look at now look at Jesse Plemons. Dude, yeah, I was really surprised that he yeah, went from being yeah. Meth Damon in Breaking Bad to I was like, holy shit, you're acting your tits off. Like, <laughs> yeah, so really impressed. Jesse Plemons looks a lot like Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh my god, I see it. Mm-hmm. So it was like it was weird. It was like especially watching this film because this is the first film that I've seen him in, and I was like, I'm watching a young Philip Seymour Hoffman. He was. Everyone f- in this movie was fucking great. Jesse Plemons, Jesse Buckley. I kind of like that they're both their names are Jesse. That's hilarious. So <laughs> the girl Lucy is Jesse Buckley. K- Jake was Jesse Plemons. Tony Collette was the mom. David Thewlis, fucking. Uh, Rufus Lupin um, played the father. Um, Who I'm not sure if he was like trying to not do an, a British accent, but it was definitely leaking out if he was trying to avoid doing his accent. It yeah, it kind of leaked out when he was in the more like dementia phase. Which is fine, you know. Yeah. We like we like sense. his voice. <laughs> <laughs> He's going through dementia. I forgot he was supposed to. Uh, it's very meta dementia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, the four of them were fantastic. And, I mean, all of the other supporting cast were great as well. Like, it was a perfectly casted film, in my opinion. And, yeah, I know you like the book better. I like the movie better. I think, like, the movie is, like, a nice supplement to the book. It sort of, I think, talks about the same, some of the same topics in a different way. Um God, yeah. I'm going to mask this reputation as an insufferable book purist. If I'm yeah, not well, uh, 
It's, uh, hopefully we'll find find you one in the future. Um, well, I've got... When we get to Fight Club, I actually do like the movie better. Yeah, but what about the two graphic novels? The, uh, the sequels? Oh, whatever. We can't cover all that in one. We'll be talking forever. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, great fucking read. Great. Um, I, I was about to say great time. I, I mean, it was, but, you know, also not <laughs> because of the topic, but... No promise we're going to stay away from fucked up stuff because that's who we are. Um, <laughs> I do want to mention, Andrea, um, I uh, I just got my plane ticket, so um, I'll be headed out <laughs> soon to uh, the UK, you know, just, uh, to, find just Mrs. to check Wright. in about that. Oh, yeah, she's... I'm, uh, I'm going to find her, the girl behind Seamus. Uh She's gonna be mine one day. I don't care. I'm, I'll fight. I'll fight anyone that's that that that's trying to claim her right now. I'm gonna do like old school 1950s like. You're gonna fight the police. Shit. You're gonna fight the restraining order. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing's gonna nothing's gonna stop me uh, getting <laughs> to her. <laughs> You're gonna scoop her up like Borat with that sack. Over Pamela Anderson and just run out the door with her. <laughs> yep, exactly. So yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be flying to the UK soon. So I'll let you know how it goes. Well, you better be on time next week. Uh oh, nice segue because we're gonna be covering, um, Hellbound Heart and Hellraiser. Yep. So uh, hopefully y'all love body horror stuff. Even though I guess like <laughs> if we did body horror with color out of space in the movie version, but straight up body horror, and I fucking love Hellraiser. Um, I haven't read the book, so this will be interesting. Um, which I think the book might actually uh, be po be both Hellraiser one and two, and that's something we're gonna have to find out because I do th for some reason think that Hellraiser two is also a part of the book. Because I don't, if I remember correctly, they didn't have the budget for the enti entirety of everything that happens in the book. So they made the first one and then they did the rest of it in part two, if I remember correctly. Just to let you know, we might have to do a two-part movie again. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> but luckily the book is less than 200 pages. No multi-part anythings, please. But what about when we do Twilight? In The Hobbit. I'm going to avoid Twilight until we have to. <laughs> if we run out of book movie <laughs> adaptation. And also if I'm very drunk during that whole thing. You're not drunk now? I've been slowly working on it. I've got a boozy coffee going. It's been small sips, though. Ooh, I'm trying not to noisily drink. That was a drink. smart move. That was a smart I love move. my boozy coffee. <laughs> I actually didn't bring alcohol this time because I think I needed a slightly clear head to talk about <laughs> this. So... But yeah, thanks everyone, as always, for listening, being here. Thank you for making it to the end. You could have stopped it at the beginning, but <laughs> you decided to keep going. <laughs> we don't know why, but you're here, so <laughs> thank you. So we appreciate it. Um, and thank you for yeah, the nice uh, reviews. Um, oh, yeah. We appreciate that a bunch. If we could, we would give you... So many gifts for all the praise, but alas, we cannot. One day yeah. we're gonna have gifts. We could s we could send them a gift. It's like a gift, but you know, just 
an image of us being like thumbs up and then that's it it's just like <laughs> this animation of us just giving them a thumbs up over and over again which honestly would be kind of cool if someone like you know put that as like can you do backgrounds that are gifs now like on 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 mobile stuff like cause that'd be cool like you know like they just like it's just uh their wallpaper is literally a gif of us just like giving them a thumbs up and so every day they look at that and they see that <laughs> hey we appreciate you we <laughs> love you so um I'm going to see if that can happen. I'm going to actually try to see like uh, if we can, if that's a thing. And um, we're going to put that as like a link somewhere that people can get to. And uh, <laughs> um, that'll, and be, not, uh, that'll be, if we can't, be our I will fly thing. out. I'll fly out to where you live. I'll be standing outside your bedroom window while you're sleeping. And when you wake up, I'll give you a big thumbs up. You won't be scared at all. <laughs> You'll know it's me. <laughs> <laughs> We got fun ideas glad coming. I'm glad it's you, not. I'm glad it's you and not me. I'm already flying to the UK, so I can't. I already have some plans. No, it won't be Michael Slenderman looking ass. It's gonna be me. <laughs> uh, cool. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. And uh, I guess that's it. I think we're. I think we're thinking of ending this podcast. Oh my god! I was gonna make that stupid joke, <laughs> but I chose not. Yeah, to. but I did it. I I did it. I, I, I sunk to the lowest of lows and then did it anyways. <laughs> uh, check your phone because you might be a dad, Michael. <laughs> Ooh, oh, please, no. Jesus. Okay, I'm going to stop. All right, so yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Uh, stay safe. Stay okay. Read a fucking book. Specifically Hellbound Heart. That one. So you know what the hell we're talking about. See you on the flippity flop. <laughs> Bye. You don't know amazing woman in front of you is that she's not a waitress. Can you just please, can you please leave? She is a waitress, but it's only to put herself through school so that she can become an animal rights lawyer. Okay. No, not a crumb of meat or dairy has crossed her lips since she was five years old and she realized that, uh, that a hamburger is just a ground-up cow. She spent the rest of her life trying, uh, she spent the rest of her life trying to make the world a better place for animals and I love her! I love her! I love her because she's the most beautiful... Beautiful, your mom. You're fired.